Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. Church, how we doing? Hope you're feeling good today. Hope you're ready for an awesome day at church. Let's take a second to welcome all of our Denver-based locations. Austin, Texas, Brussels, Belgium. If you're joining us online, of course, all of our amazing men and women at God Behind Bars. Let's give it up for them. My name is Andrew Chone. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Man, I'm so honored to be here. We're in week two of our series, Let's Talk About Relationships. And we're gonna do just that. We're gonna talk about relationships, we're gonna talk about marriage, singleness, sex, dating, intimacy. And we believe that this uh, topic of relationships is absolutely crucial, would you not agree? Because the reality is, is where our relationships go, we go. Relationships are a gigantic driver for us in our lives. What's difficult though, is that when it comes to uh, culture and the topic of sex, dating, and marriage, it's extremely blurred, right? A lot of people with a lot of different opinions out there in this world on this topic. But we believe here at Red Rocks Church that the lines are not blurry in the Word of God, that I believe that, that God is extremely clear about what He calls us to inside of marriage and outside of marriage. And so it's extremely important for us to talk about relationships here as a church. I want you to understand that talking about relationships is not unspiritual. It's actually extremely spiritual because relationships are the heart of who God is. So God deeply cares about your relationship status and where you find yourself in this place today. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to bring some biblical truth and clarity over the next few weeks, just like last week. And my encouragement to you is don't miss a single week. If you missed last week, go back and watch. Engage today, engage in the next few weeks, because I don't care if you're the most single of single. You're like, I'm the most single person on this planet, or if you've been married in a healthy marriage for 50 plus years, I believe God has something so profound for you in every single week of this message. And so today, I get the absolute honor of speaking to a very special group of people, and I'll be speaking indirectly to everybody, but directly to this group of people, we're gonna be talking to all the single ladies and all the single fellas. Come on, I hope you're excited for it. Now married people, don't tune out, all right? Don't, don't go to the bathroom right now, go get your coffee or start making your food. You need to tune in right now for a couple reasons. First, uh, our culture is filled with singles from all sorts of different ages. And you need to be an encouragement and an advocate. You need to understand the season of life that they're going through so you can come alongside them and encourage them in this season. And secondly, I don't care uh, where your marriage is at today. I believe that God wants to speak directly to you through the Word of God. And uh, I'm going to go to a passage in the Bible. It's in Matthew chapter 7. And this is the last thing that Jesus says after the most famous sermon ever spoken, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says all sorts of things in the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about the golden rule, judging others. He talks about fasting, divorce, all sorts of things, how to engage in a relationship with God and relationship with other people. And he ends his entire sermon with this, these last few passages, and it says this. It says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Today I wanna talk about something extremely important Today I want to talk about how you steward your singleness today will determine the strength of your foundation in which you will stand tomorrow. I'll say that again. How you steward your singleness today will determine the strength of your foundation in which you will stand tomorrow. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for whatever season that you have placed us in because you have allowed us to be in this season for whatever kind of purpose. And God, I believe that you want to speak to us. God, you care so deeply about our relationships. You care so deeply. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us, challenge us. Lord, I pray that uh, hearts would be convicted in this place. Uh, God, as I have prayed, my heart has broke for so many people who sit in a room like this. And the second we talk about relationships, Lord, there's all sorts of trauma, baggage, hurt, and pain. But Lord, you are a healer. You're a restorer. You're a redeemer. And Lord, I I believe that these next few weeks, you're going to do just that. So Lord, we give this to you and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, y'all can take a seat, whatever campus you're at, online. You know, the the conversation around singleness has really changed over the past couple decades. See, I I grew up in in the Midwest Bible Belt of Springfield, Missouri, where if, yeah, come on, where if you weren't married by 26, people assumed that something was wrong with you, that you were broken, that you might as well have been like a leper or something. How old are you? I'm 30. Oh, where's your husband? Is he at home? No, I'm not married. Oh, bless your heart. She must have some sin in her life. Like, I, I went to a Christian university, and if you went to a Christian university or you knew, know someone that did, you've heard this phrase before, ring by spring. Okay, basically, you would meet someone in the fall, you'd fall in love over Christmas break, and then you'd put a ring on it over Easter time. It was amazing. Every, at a Christian university, every time the fall classes would start, it was like they were releasing a bunch of uh, Christian animals into the wild to find their mate. It, it was like, uh, like the seagulls from Finding Nemo, like mine, 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 mine. You're for sure mine. But I remember uh, growing up, and marriage used to always seem like the ultimate goal. Marriage seemed to be the the ultimate sign of maturity, and the older you got without being married, the more people just assumed that there was something wrong with you. And what's interesting is the more that our culture has progressed, the more the mindset and the narrative has begun to change around singleness and marriage. I think it's safe to say that marriage is no longer the assumed cultural norm. It's no longer the assumed cultural norm. See, at the turn of the 20th century, a vast majority of the general population was married. Fast forward to the 1970s, the marriage rate dropped to 70%. Fast forward to 2014, the marriage rate dropped to 50% and has continually been declining. In 1978, 59% of Americans between the ages of 18 and 34 were married compared to only 29% today. In 1920, the average woman got married at 21. The average man was 24. Today, the average woman gets married at 28 years old. The average man gets married at 30 years old. 
in our city of Denver, where we reside, we have one of the highest averages of single people in the entire country. Someone says, amen. 59% of people within our city of Denver are single. And when you look at the research, all this research that I've done this week, what we're seeing is that people are getting married later than ever before. More people are cohabitating in our culture than ever before. There's a higher percentage of unmarried people than we've ever seen in our entire culture before. In other words, both men and women are in no rush to put a ring on it, okay? Now, I've been a young adult pastor for a while, and I get to work with a bunch of single people. And I absolutely love it because navigating that season of life is a very interesting season of life. We love coming alongside and helping them navigate this season. But I have a lot of conversations. I observe a lot. I watch how they engage in their relationships. And what's interesting is I have watched them engage with this, uh, with this Tinder, DM, Snapchat, hookup culture that treats seasons of singleness as almost disposable years. I believe that single people right now are almost led to believe that the years of your singleness do not matter. That it's like this whimsical time of life where you can just do whatever you want because life will just come together once you find the one or once you get married. But can I tell you something? That whether you're in your 20s or single, whether you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s and single, whether you're divorced and single, widowed or single, I believe that this thought that the single years of your life are disposable years could not be further what I believe God has for you and further from what I believe God has for your relationships. Listen, we talk about these things all the time, that God has a deep plan for your life, that God's plan for your life is to give you a hope and a future. God's plan for your life is to, do, to give you life and life abundant, to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you could ever ask or imagine, but I believe the life that Jesus Christ came to give you will not be found without having clear vision and intentionality as you build the foundation of your singleness in this life today, amen? Listen, your years of singleness are not disposable years. Your, your years of singleness are transformative years, your years of singleness are critical years. See, the reality is, and I think a lot of married people can attest this, that in your marriage, you either continue with or correct for the decisions you made in your 20s. Okay, so in other words, the decisions you make today will in fact impact your life tomorrow. You cannot compartmentalize or, or separate the two. I think we love to try to do that. This was my life and my singleness. This is my life now that I'm married, and there's no intersection. But we know that it is this continuous timeline that what you do today will flat out impact your life tomorrow. In marriage, you will continue with or correct for the decisions that you made when you were single. Listen, singleness is not some disposable years. S singleness is not just some whimsical time of life where it does not count. Also, can I tell you that singleness is not a curse, okay? Singleness is a gift. Singleness is an opportunity, and how you steward your singleness today will determine the strength of your foundation in which the rest of your relationships will stand tomorrow. And so you might be sitting in a room like this, and you might be saying, you know, I do feel like I've been kind of treating my, my season of singleness like this. I, I've just been kind of 
wandering around a little bit. I, I, I don't really know what's happening. I date some people. I don't date some people. I, I've done some things I haven't done. I don't really know exactly what I'm doing. I kind of feel like I'm just existing as a single. And so you're asking the question, well, how do I steward this season of my singleness? And if you're asking that question, that, that, that's great. But what you have to understand is you can't steward something unless something has been entrusted to you. And listen, can I tell you that God has entrusted this season of singleness to you? Okay, married people, God has entrusted your marriage to you. Wives, uh, God has entrusted your husband to you. Husbands, God has entrusted your wife to you. Single people, God has entrusted this season to you. And how you steward this season, I believe, will determine the kind of blessing that you experience, not only today, but on the other side of this thing. And so you ask yourself, well, how do I steward this season of my singleness? And I want to give you three quick thoughts Maybe not super quick, kind of quick. I want to give you a couple quick thoughts that I think could, could really help you, give you some framework for this. And there's going to be three things I'm going to talk about today. It's going to be have vision, be intentional, and know your value. Have vision, be intentional, and know your value. The first one is have vision. When Jesus talked about the, the wise and foolish builders, I, I want to read this again because we're going to build a framework off of this passage in case you forgot from five minutes ago, Matthew 7, verse 24 says, Every, Everyone then who hears these words of mine, the words that I just spoke, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. The first thing that you, you have to do to steward your singleness and build a healthy foundation is that you have to have vision. You have to have vision. Think about this. Any wise builder before they start a project is going to plan ahead, right? They're going to have vision and foresight for how they want the project to end up. It would be pretty foolish of a builder to start a project with no vision or blueprint, correct? With no vision, you'll end up with an outcome that you never set out or desired to have. And the same, I believe, applies to your season of singleness. If you have no vision for how you want your future relationships to look, or, or, or better yet, how God wants your future relationships to work, odds are, odds are you'll find yourself going down a pretty destructive path. Having vision is important. And having vision is actually biblical. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people will perish. Where there's no vision, the people will perish. Now, vision is the ability to think about or plan ahead for your future with wisdom. It's not just thinking about my future relationships, my future spouse. It's not just laying there at night wishing what could be or what they could look like. No, no, it's, it's, it's planning ahead, thinking ahead for your future with wisdom and with discernment, having foresight for exactly how you want it to look and exactly how you believe God wants it to look for you. Uh, another passage of, of another version of this Proverbs, it says, where there's no revelation, people will cast off restraint. Now, restraint is the condition that keeps someone under control or within limits. 
So if you come under the vision of what God wants for your life, then you will come under his authority, you will submit to his authority, and you will begin to engage in relationships under the limits that he talks about within the biblical principles that he has given us. But the reality is when we have no vision, what we do is we, be, we begin to cast off restraints. And so we engage in relationships, no limits. We engage in relationships, no guardrails. We engage in relationships with no boundaries, and we wonder why relationship after relationship continues to flop. I mean, married people, you wonder why your marriage looks today the same that it did three years ago, in 10 years ago, in 25 years ago, because you have no vision for what God wants for you and for your relationship. Honest question, when was the last time you sat down and you thought about your future life? When was the last time you sat down and you thought about uh, the future relationship? And further than that, when was the last time you sat down and you prayed and you sought God for God to speak to you about your future relationship? When was the last time you opened up the word of God and didn't go to some sermon or some blog, but you went to the word of God and allowed the word of God to challenge you and convict you about your future marriage? When was the last time you went to the word of God or to the Holy Spirit and let him convict you about how you're going to be as a future husband or a future wife? When was the last time you sat and allowed Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to speak to you about your future life and your future relationships? Listen, having vision will not only dictate how you engage in relationships, but having vision will dictate who you engage in relationship with. Now, there's a big one. I don't know if you're ready for this. Listen, if you don't know what you're looking for, you'll pick up just about anything. Listen, if you date with no vision, it's like going to the grocery store hungry. You, you ever had a plan, a diet, and you, you showed up because you're not eating anything because you're like, the only way I can lose weight is just starving myself, but then you go to the grocery store, and all of a sudden, you, you end up at home with some Twinkies and Ho-Hos and some Oreos, you know what I'm saying? If you don't know what you're looking for, you will pick up just about anything. Ooh, she's hot. And she said yes to going out with me, which is an absolute rarity. She must just be the one. Ooh, he DM'd me and told me I looked hot with a fire emoji. I guess I'll give him my number. If you don't know what you're looking for, you'll give yourself to just about anything. Hear me. If you don't have vision, here's exactly what you're going to do. Instead of waiting for the right person, you're going to go searching for a feeling. Come on, think of it. If you don't know what you're looking for, instead of waiting and trusting for God to bring the right person at the right time, you are going to go searching and wandering for a feeling. See, we live in a world and a culture that is obsessed with searching for the feeling. We live in a culture that is obsessed with substances. We live in a culture that is obsessed with pornography. We live in a culture that is obsessed with the random hookups. We live in a culture that is obsessed with searching for the feeling. Tell me if you've ever said this or you've heard someone say, I know I've said it. They make me feel this way. No one else has ever made me feel this way. Every other relationship I have makes me feel this way, but they make me feel this way. My husband or my wife, they make me feel this way, but this person makes me feel this way. Listen, I'm not telling you 
that feelings are, are bad. I believe that God has birthed in us the ability to, to feel and to express feelings. But just like our, our staff counselor, Gary Brugman, always says, feelings aren't right or wrong. Feelings are information and indicators to some things that are going on deeper inside of you. So I'm not here to tell you that feelings are wrong, but what I wanna tell you is be careful to let your feelings be your driver. Why? Because your feelings can lie. Be careful to, to let your heart be your driver. Why? Because your heart can lie to you. Jeremiah 17, nine. It says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Scripture is saying, you can't always understand what is going on inside of your heart. And because of that, Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from your heart. Notice it doesn't say, above all else, follow your heart. Wherever your heart may lead you, wherever your heart takes you, run after your heart. Wear your heart on your sleeve always and follow your heart. No, no, no. It, it gives you this active, this, this aggressive. It says, guard protect. Now, it's not saying wall up your heart and never let anybody close to you, but it's saying protect your heart from the people your heart does not belong to. Amen. Listen, some of you have been led by your heart in every single relationship, and you wonder why you walk away from every relationship hearts broken. Listen, it's really hard to have vision for our future. It's really hard to think ahead, plan ahead with wisdom when we're constantly in our feelings. But if we're being honest, this is how most people date. If we're being honest, most of us in this room, this is how we used to date or maybe still date. Listen, most people date like this. They have no vision for what they want, no vision for what God wants for them. So they end up being with someone who they have no business being with because they caught a feeling. Listen, some of you, you sitting here with such baggage and hurt. Some of you sit in a room like this with so much relational trauma, and there's a lot of different reasons why that can happen, but for a lot of us, we sit in a room like this with a lot of baggage and hurt because we allowed someone into our life that flat out did not belong. Listen, at some point, you have to have enough confidence in yourself, enough confidence in the Lord to draw a line in the sand and say, this is what God wants for me. This is what I want for myself. This is the person who God is calling me to be, and I refuse to move from this. I refuse to settle. I refuse to just give myself over to anyone because I've been single for a really long time. I refuse. Listen, you know what having strong vision does? Strong vision keeps you accountable to your path. When you meet someone with strong vision, they are not overwhelmed or overcome by external circumstances. When you see someone with strong vision, they can push through through the wind and the waves. They're not moved by every single feeling that they have. Listen, I want to encourage you this week. Between you and God, sit down, get in your word, read, pray, and begin to get some vision for what you want your current life to look like and then what you want your future relationships to look like. Maybe for you, you need to write a list of some non-negotiables between you and God of the person that you're going to allow into your life. It's that important. It's that serious. And I believe that God wants that for you. You have to have vision. Number two is this. Have vision and be intentional. Have vision be intentional. Having vision asks this question, how do I want it to look? Being intentional asks the question, 
what needs to be done to get the result that I want, okay? Think about this. For any wise builder, the blueprint and the vision is, what, is what's going to drive the work, right? How I, how I want it to look, uh, the, the blueprint is gonna drive the, the resources, it's gonna drive the, the supplies, it's gonna drive the, the work, it's gonna drive the amount of people I need, it's going to drive the timeline and the time frame. Same in your singleness. The, the vision you have for your future relationships will dictate uh, the intentionality of your decisions right now. Listen, don't tell me you want your future relationships to look one way when your life looks the other, okay? Don't, don't tell me you want your marriage to look one way when your daily decisions are the complete opposite. Don't tell me you want a godly woman when you find yourself at the club every single weekend, okay? Uh, well, that's the only place to find a lady. No, that's not. Go to Target. There's all sorts of single ladies picking up crap they don't need. They might just pick you up, all right? The vision you have for your future relationships will drive the intentionality of your decisions. Look, vision drives decision. Vision drives decision. I think the greatest mistake that a lot of single people make, and I'm only saying this because I made this greatest mistake, is thinking about the things you struggle with now will magically disappear once you find the one. All the things you struggle with, once you find that one, once you find that married person, all those things will just magically disappear. For example, I make horrible financial decisions. Uh, my, my family made horrible financial decisions. I make them. I'm up to my ears in debt. But once I get married, a lot of that will go away because we'll have a dual income. And hopefully I'll marry someone who makes a little bit more money. I, I've struggled with, with, with substance abuse for a lot of my life. And I fought against it, but it's just something that's just become a part of my life when it comes to alcohol or when it comes to marijuana. But once I get married, a lot of that will go away because I'm going to have accountability. I'm going to grow up because once I have a wife and once I have some kids, I won't deal or struggle with any of those things anymore. I, I, I have some deeply rooted insecurities because of some things that happened in some childhood trauma in my life. But once I get married, all those things will go away because I'm going to find someone who's going to affirm everything about me. I, I, I struggle deeply with some issues in lust. I, I, I've slept around for most of my life. I, I struggle with, a, with, with major, major porn issues. But once I get married, all that will go away because I get to have sex anytime I want. Married people, you going to tell them or am I telling them? <laughs> Who's telling them? <laughs> it don't work that way. <laughs> Listen, can, can, I, can I tell you something that's extremely sobering? What goes undealt with in your singleness will either be exposed in marriage or will become more hidden. What goes undealt with with your singleness will, will, will get more exposed. They talked about that last week, Pastor Sean and Jill. They talked about how, how, how marriage is not a fixer. Marriage is a multiplier. Marriage is not a fixer. Marriage is a magnifier. Listen, it'll either get exposed or it will become more hidden. You know why? Because you married someone and they didn't actually know all of the things about you. Enter shame. And you hide yourself more and, and shame grows in the dark and people wonder why intimacy is so affected within their marriage. Because you're hiding. The things that they had no, no idea about you have become exposed. 
Listen, can I tell you that, that self-discipline and self-control outside of marriage will lead to self-discipline and self-control inside of marriage? Can I tell you that, that self-discipline when it comes to your finances outside of marriage will probably lead to some self-discipline and self-control inside of marriage? Self-control within your purity and your integrity and your character outside of marriage will more than likely lead into some integrity and character and purity within your marriage. Listen, this is why I believe that singleness is one of the greatest opportunities that God has given every single person. Because God is saying, look, I am giving you an opportunity as you are caring about really only yourself, I'm giving you an opportunity to make some very tough decisions about some things in your life that have gone undealt with, okay? I say this all the time to our young adults, I preach it a million times, but I say, look, you either pay now or you pay later, but if you pay later, you'll pay at the expense of other people. When I was 27 years old, I had to pay later at the expense of my wife and our child. Listen, you have an opportunity in your singleness to look at the things in your life and say, I'm going to face these things head on. Listen, I, I, I think some people, you're listening to this and you're bothered right now. Because I, I was, as I was writing this, I always try to ask myself questions. Okay, where are people sitting right now? Um, what is it that they're feeling after I just said that? And, and I had this moment where I was like, people might be really bothered right now because you might feel like I'm saying that to be able to get married, you have to be perfect. So Andrew, you're saying that I can't have any flaws when I get married? You're saying that everything that I've ever dealt with or struggled with has to be perfected now? Listen, can I tell you, it is not about perfection. It's about progress, okay? It's about taking a very honest look at yourself and say, okay, here's the reality. These are some things that are, that are deep issues of mine, and I just know if I don't deal with this now, it's gonna really affect me later. So it's you taking a, a really honest look at yourself, it, it, facing some things head on, facing some, some of those things of trauma that you haven't dealt with that you know will come up at some point, and saying, look, I may not be, get perfect in this, but I'm at least going to try to progress in this. Listen, can I tell you, single people, there will be nothing more powerful then you standing across from your future husband or your future wife one day and saying, look, you know, you know a lot of the things about me. You know the struggles. You, you, you know a lot of my, my past hurts and my past pains. You know some of the trauma. You know some of the things, that some of the sin patterns in my life. But I can stand here before you and with integrity tell you that I am doing the best I can to submit the things in my life under Jesus Christ. To the best of my ability, I'm trying to progress to be the best man, the best woman of God. Listen, I just want to encourage you and tell you because I was there. The last thing you want is to stand before your spouse one day and have a bunch of things hidden. Or have a bunch of things that, that have just gone undealt with that they have no idea about. Listen, you have an opportunity as a single person to make some extremely tough decisions. You pay now or you pay later. So important. Listen, the greatest gift you can give yourself now and your future spouse later is a strong foundation that you're building on. Your, your goal is not to give your future spouse this amazing house that, that's all dialed up, that's remodeled, that granite countertops and hardwood, all the great 
floors and all the things. And yeah, I mean, your goal is, is, is not to, to go into marriage with all the perfect things. Listen, your goal is to go into marriage with a solid foundation that can be built on. Amen. And why is that? It's because storms will come. Storms will come. It says that everyone who does these words of mine and or hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Listen, storms will come in your marriage. Even if you both can stand before each other one day and you both are, are the most perfect human beings on the planet, can I tell you that storms will come within your marriage? Some of the most healthiest times in me and my wife's marriage, we're like, man, we're actually figuring this thing out finally, have been some of our biggest storms of life. But what is so powerful is when you can have a solid foundation together that you are building on, the winds will come, the waves will crash, but you will not fall. Listen, this is so important, and, and can I tell you that singleness is not an indictment on you. That singleness is actually God's grace for you. Singleness is a gift and an opportunity, and the intentionality in which you steward your singleness today will determine the foundation in which your future relationships will stand tomorrow. Ben, you can come on up. I feel like I could have talked about this for four hours, but I figured you probably will give me like 35 minutes, so... We talked about having vision, being intentional. But to me, the most important and foundational to all of this is know your value. Know your value. Because if knowing your value is not present, what will happen is your vision will be skewed and your work will be misguided. I was thinking about this story that Jesus told about the wise and the foolish builder. And I've read this, this is actually one of my favorite passages, and I know we didn't dive super deep into it, I just want to have a framework for today's message. But I love this story, and I've read it so many times because it really does apply to most aspects of my life, especially in marriage, actually. And this week, anytime I'm going to preach a passage, I read over the scripture about 45 times. And I read through it and read through it and read through it. Like, God, speak to me. What else are you trying to show me about this passage? And, and I, I wrote in, in my Bible, I wrote this question. Why does he, being Jesus, care so much about what our foundation is built on? Like, I really asked myself that question. Why does he care so much what our foundation is built on? And I wrote that down, and then I got my journal, and I started trying to write out a bunch of different things, and I was trying to get in the mind of Jesus, which I don't, I probably don't do that, I don't know. Um, and, and I was like, man, what, what, I, what I feel like is the answer to this? And I wasn't figuring out, and so I called my wife, Jerrica, and I was like, hey, what do you think? Why do you think, why do you think Jesus told this? Why do you think God cares so much what our foundation is built on? And, and my wife, she says profound things often, and uh, and she paused for a second and she said, okay, here's what I think. She said, your value holds too much weight to be held up by a poor foundation. Your value holds far too much weight 
to be held up by a poor foundation. You know what I see time and time again? Is people allowing other people to dictate their value. I, I, I feel like I'm going to preach to someone right in this moment. That you've allowed a lot of your mistakes to dictate your value. That you've allowed a lot of things that have happened to you in your childhood, people that you trusted, that hurt you. You've allowed other people to dictate your value. Someone spoke your value over you. It was a father, or maybe it wasn't even a father who was present, but it was a father who abandoned, and they spoke pretty clearly their value to you. Or maybe it was a mother or a coach or an ex. Someone spoke over you, but many of us, we sit in this place and we say, this is my value. And then if we could look down the line, we'd say, oh, that's where my value came from. It came from all of these people that I've had some kind of relational issues or trauma with in my life. And you see, I think that we tend to, to find a lot of confidence or lack thereof in the opposite sex. What they think about me determines how I feel about myself. And I think whether we're willing to admit it or not, I think that we oftentimes look to the opposite sex to validate us. Tell, tell me I'm worth it. Tell me I'm, I'm good enough. Tell, tell me I have what it takes. Tell me I'm not too broken. Tell me I haven't gone too far. Spouses, we, we, we look at our spouses and say, tell me that I'm good enough. Affirm that I have some kind of value. Tell, tell, fellas, we, we, we're in a place, I think that we, we like to pretend like we don't have feelings. We don't need women to validate anything about us. That's completely false. We look to females to validate that we're strong, that we're manly, that we have what it takes to, to be a provider, to be a good father, to be a good leader. I think that ladies, ladies look to males to validate their worth, to, to validate uh, their attraction, to validate that they're desirable, that they're wanted enough. And listen, what happens when we don't get that, what we do is we begin to alter who we are to become what we think people want. Because we bought into the lie that people's validation equals my value. Do you know what determines the value of something? Think about it. What determines the value of, of your car? What determines the value of your home? What determines the value of something is what someone is willing to pay for it. That's what determines the value. And can we bring all this, I know we're talking about singleness and relationships and marriage and all the things, but can we bring this back to the gospel of Jesus Christ? That John 3, 16 says, for God so loved, for God so valued you, for God so valued me that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Listen, God places high value on you. God places high value on your calling. God places high value on your worth, on your purpose. Listen, I know that every other person in this world has maybe placed zero value on you. I know that you look in the mirror and you do not like what you see and you have valued or labeled yourself, but can I tell you that Jesus says that you are called, that he says you're favored, that he says you're blessed, that he says you are without blemish, that you are a child of God. 
What determines your value is what someone is willing to pay for it. And can I tell you that Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, knowing all your brokenness, knowing all your sin, knowing all your blemishes, said, you are still worth it. I will go to the cross for you. That's what dictates and determines your value. I mean, think about this for a moment. Married people and single people, think about this. Think if we walked around knowing where our true value comes from. There would be a level of confidence you walk around and be like, I don't need any man, any woman to make me feel the things that deep down I desire to feel. Listen, your spouse cannot make you feel all the things that you desire to feel. Can they at some points and some things? Yes, absolutely. But all the things that you deeply desire and want, no human being can provide for you the things that you deeply desire inside. Listen, when you know your value, you can paint a great picture of your vision, and your vision will dictate your decisions that you make in your daily life. Listen, I just want you for a moment to, to realize that whatever season you're in, whether you, you love your relationship status or not, that you have to get yourself to a place where you say, okay, this is where God has placed me. I may not love it. I may have other dreams, but this is where God has placed me. And so I'm going to trust God in this place. And for the time being, while I'm in this place, I'm gonna steward to the best of my ability what he has entrusted to me. Listen, how you steward your singleness today will determine the foundation at which your relationships will stand tomorrow. Paul says to Timothy, guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. If you all stand to your feet, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for all that you're doing in this place. Whether people are in the room, watching online, God behind bars, whatever it might be. God, that you're speaking to us. And just a couple of questions, whether you're single, married, never want to be married, whatever it might be, but you sit in a room like this and you say, you know what? As my relationships have gone, I've done it my way. And I sit here today and I realize that my relationships have been toxic and my relationships have been failing over and over again because I've chosen to do this thing my way. But you're saying, look, I'm gonna mark this on my calendar the day that I chose to do marriage God's way, the day that I chose to do singleness God's way. If that's you in this room, would you slip up your hand for us all across every single location? Come on, it's amazing. Online. And the second question is this, I never wanna talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ and not give you a, a chance to respond to him. That you've been searching and searching and searching, looking around every corner but never finding. You've gone to the ends of the earth with every human being you know how. You've gone to the ends of earth with every substance, every material thing you know how, always searching but never finding. And you sit in a room like this today or you listen to a message under the sound of my voice and you say, I think I just found what it is I'm looking for and I think that it just might be Jesus. If that's you in this place, you say for the first time ever, I wanna accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. You slip up your hand across every location. If you're online, just hit that that hand raise button right there so we can see and give you resources. If that's you, there's no special words you have to say. You don't have to articulate perfectly to accept Jesus Christ. Just begin to pray to him, maybe for the first time, and you'll be saved. 
God, we love you, we trust you, we thank you so much. And all God's people said, amen. Y'all, let's worship.